Hey, welcome to the Tunes Podcast. My name's Harold. Uh, thanks for joining me. Um, I'm really excited to get to start this project, uh, something I've been wanting to do. Uh, I know so many people around the city that enjoy anime, that enjoy music. Um, that's kind of the core of this show. Um, real quick, I want to give a shout out to Beach Language for the, those uh, tasty tunes at the very beginning. <laughs> that's their song, Desert Youth. So shout out to those guys. Um, but yeah, just an overview like of the podcast. We're just going to be talking about music, you know, the different anime we like, um, you know, life in OKC, you know, just kind of whatever comes up. Uh, we'll just keep it real organic. Hope you guys really get into enjoying this show. Um, I'm really excited to start finally start like uh, getting all off the ground and everything and getting it going. Um, I think I'm most looking forward to learning new, learning about new shows that I didn't know about from my guests. Uh, like a kind of a overview of me. Like I, I really just grew up on like watching Toonami type stuff. So Dragon Ball Z, uh, Cowboy Bebop, like kind of the basic stuff that everybody watches. Uh, and so it'll be nice to get a, a viewpoint from different people that maybe enjoy different things than I did and, you know, check out stuff that they talk about. And so it'll be fun. Um, one of the fun things about this podcast is that each guest, uh, will talk about music. Um, and later on each guest will have their own Spotify playlist. Um, you could follow that on tunes podcast, tunes podcast, OKC, uh, on Spotify. And so, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media. Uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's the Tunes Podcast. I know it's kind of confusing, but it's just Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. Um, just because those are the core things we're going to be talking about, music and anime. So that's the uh, that's where that name comes from. I knew it's funny, like, getting into it because I knew it was going to be confusing. <laughs> so, uh, you hear Mike laughing. Uh, but, yeah, well, let's get into – just get right into the first guest here. I have Mike Allen here. Hello. Um Thanks for joining us, Mike. Of course. Uh, yeah. So, Mike, uh, I think I met you uh, just going to one of the uh, art shows at the Speakeasy, right? Yeah. Uh, the Cowboy Bebop art show that James Nim and I put on um, at the Speakeasy. That was uh, in the summer of 2016. Um, yeah, we had a good turnout. Um, I wasn't expecting a good turnout at that show. Uh James kind of pitched the idea to me, and I said, well, I like Cowboy Bebop, but <laughs> who else in this city, you know, even knows about it? But yeah. he uh, he proved to be uh, correct on that, so. Yeah, that was true. And that wasn't <clears throat> the first one. What was the first show? It was Street Fighter, right? Street Fighter, we did, yeah, that was the first, and that was in October of 2015. That was when uh, the Speaky... The Speakeasy had kind of uh, rebranded themselves. They reopened. They had new owners, uh, Greg and Mike and Henri over there. And uh, so we just kind of pitched an idea like, what if we just went over there and set up a bunch of video game consoles and just had a bunch of art and just invited a bunch of people out of their houses? And yeah, that's cool, man. Greg and Mike were like, let's do it. So we that <clears throat> it kind of just took off from there. That's really awesome, man. And you get to, you're actually the one that gets to do like all the posters for that, right? Yeah, I make the, the posters and do kind of like the branding, sort of, uh, you know, getting the vibe going for as far as the, the shows. But uh, yeah, th- that's a lot of fun. I try to 
challenge myself with those things. Um, but yeah, we've got a lot of good ones. I think for the Cowboy Bebop one, I did, um, you know, the Swordfish, Spike Spiegel's uh, craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. What do they call them in the show? Is it I don't, uh, yeah. space? I don't even figure I think it's like a would, ship. For people uh, that like that show, we would know. What yeah, I, I, that's one of my favorite <laughs> shows ever. I don't and actually know anything about the show. Uh, I just like yeah. it. <laughs> Turns out I didn't really get into the lore. Uh, no, the Swordfish Two, which I know, I don't know what happened to the Swordfish One there, but uh, but anyway, that was on the uh, the poster I did, and uh, it just turned out uh, pretty nice. You know, everyone seemed to like it. Yeah, that's that's really cool, man. Like, I really enjoy like the concepts because it's not just like, okay, we're just gonna do the show and just like have art. Like, it's it's really an immersive thing. Um, can you talk a little bit about like the last one? It was the Kanye West one. Yeah, so we did a Metal Gear Solid slash Kanye West art show, which <laughs> sounds as weird as anything you can think of. And it sounds like someone was drunk when they came up with the idea, which is the case. Uh, <laughs> James and I were drinking. It's very on brand for you guys. Yeah, James and I were drinking at a <laughs> non-doc party, which I'm, I'm a part of. And James has also written uh, some articles for them. I think he has one out today, actually at the time of this recording. Uh, but anyway, we, we, we were talking about Metal Gear and uh, we were talking about uh, Hideo Kojima, the director, and we were like, you know, no one can really tell him anything, like what to do. He kind of just does his own thing. And we were like, you know, he's kind of the Kanye West of video games. And so we were like, that's it. Boom, Kanye West. So that's where like the Metal Gear. The mashup came from. And James being the quick-witted, intelligent person he is, he just... Came up, he was like 808s and solid snakes. Boom, like that's that was the, perfect. That's the title. Man, that set it off. Like, and then <laughs> he kind of we kind of talked about it before because it was after the what was the one before the uh, before, that, before that we did the Tarantino Tarantino. Show. That's right. Because I talked uh, to him that night and he was saying, "Dude, I really want to do this like Kanye West one next. Like, it'll be really cool." Um, actually, didn't you you uh, designed some clothes for that, right? There was like I, a fashion show. I did, and that's something else I do uh, outside of graphic design and just like traditional art. Um, I do some like clothing, making clothing, tailoring, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, we had a fashion show at that show, and that was a new uh, frontier for the both of us. Uh, we really didn't know how to run a fashion show, but fortunately we had a lot of help and a lot of uh, some experienced people involved. And uh, it went over really well. Uh, I couldn't have asked for it to be better. The speakeasy was very receptive. They yeah. they put it everything together. You know, it was great. That's awesome, man. <clears throat> so is that just kind of like, uh, I know like those are just kind of become part of like OKC, like, you know, people are looking to that, like, when's that next art show at the speakeasy? Like, ev- like people are talking about it now. Like there's a significant amount of buzz. Um, is that, is there like a, you guys just kind of, you know, shoot the shit and like, come up yeah. with the concept and you just just <laughs> run with it and see if you can pretty, make it make pr- it work or what yeah pretty much uh james and i what we'll do him and i i mean we hang out a lot we're we're good i can say we're pretty good friends at this point i mean we hang out all the time pretty much but uh we uh like to go just sit and drink and talk and just kind of like this uh, you know just hang out and just talk about whatever and then just ideas developed from there um and a ball will get rolling one way or another and uh, we come up with uh, an idea that's kind of how it happens that's awesome man and yeah I, you know talking to him like he's obviously a big fan of uh, anime as well mm-hmm. um so that's yeah that's exciting man I, I really like the the idea of like you know because you know and you and i've talked about this before that 
anime was kind of like not the cool thing when we were growing up. Like it was right. kind of like a well, that kid's weird because he likes you know anything. It was like anything that was like Japanese or like anime or like manga. Like uh-huh. you're always like the weird kid. Like why is he reading that backwards book? Like <laughs> you know, it was like it was a weird. It's thing. a left-handed book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Books for lefties. Lefties. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and you know, we've gotten to talk about like the different you know ones that we like um you know we talked about cowboy bebop sure um but i remember we talked about you know one that you're really in steins gate like i hadn't heard about that one and i haven't got to check it out yet but what like you know steins gate and like all those paranoia agent like how do you, you know, what kind of draws you into those like what what's like the appeal for like shows like that uh well with uh paranoia agent that was on adult swim briefly Uh, I think it only had one run on there and it's only 14 episodes. So very brief run. And a lot of people don't really remember it on adult swim. It was kind of in that, uh, I didn't know it was on. I want to say it was around 2006, 2007 that it was on adult swim, kind of in the later prime years, as I like to call it for adult swim. (laughs) But a lot of people would disagree with that, but, uh, adult swim in my day, right? Yeah. I'm an old, old, old Back man. In adult day, swim. Adult yeah, swim. They actually for sure. had the pool in the shot. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> those old bumps, man. Those are cool. Everyone out of the pool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, but parent, what do I agent? Uh, it's, it's kind of a, uh, surreal kind of, um, I don't know how to describe it other than it just doesn't use any normal tropes for the, the genre of, or just the larger anime umbrella, I guess you could say. Um, they use a lot of different animation styles in the show. Uh, and Satoshi Kon, who's the director, he, he directed a few other movies before that. I think that was his only series. He directed like Millennium Actress, uh, what is it, uh, Perfect Blue. But he, he deals with a lot of like uh, mental, like from the character's perspective, you get like a lot of like warped, almost like, well, I mean, the show is about people with anxiety and uh, how they deal with it and where they project it. And so you get into this lo- a lot of like crazy stuff like that. So anyway, it's that, like the mind games type stuff. Yeah. Like and, a, and and that's so much different than anything I had seen up to that yeah, point. Everything's like, you know, everybody like I talk about. I like the basic stuff. Right. In anime, like Dragon Ball Z. It's like, oh, the you know, it's the common formula. Like every every villain that we face is the strongest in the universe. Right, and yeah. so that's like the common trope, like, oh, you know, yeah. we're just Bleach, trying to get that next level, yeah. you know, there's Super Saiyan 18,000 now, like, oh, whatever, my like, blue yeah. hair Super Saiyan, like, I haven't got into Super a whole lot, but... DBS, man. Yeah. Um, looking at some stuff of that today. But actually. that's kind of the, the cool thing, like, the appeal with shows like that, it's it's a little bit different, it's, you know, not the same old thing that we've seen, you know, and that's not taking away from Dragon Ball Z, because, I mean, oh, no, arguably of course it's not. like, that, that's the most my, beloved series Those are my roots, man. Time. Yeah. And then they, and then GT is like the, oh yeah, the ugly little brother or something. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, yeah, probably the, yeah, ooh. Well, I don't know. I, <laughs> Mike's y- like, don't even get me started. There are some things GT. about GT I really do <laughs> like. A lot of the character designs are really great. Yeah. I think you know, Super Saiyan Four, fantastic. I, I still love that character design, but the the writing was just god awful, <laughs> just god awful. Yeah, it was strange. Like it just kind of took a different turn, like than you would think that. Yeah. Then the next iteration of Dragon Ball would take like. Oh, yeah. I guess you don't. I mean, there's not something you would think that it would go to. Goku's a child again. Oh, my yeah, gosh. It was kind of a weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I guess it's like, you know, a nod back to Dragon Ball. Maybe that they were. I, I think that's I'm not, what they I were. don't know what headspace yeah. like Akira Toriyama was in. 
Well, he didn't. He didn't write it. Oh, did he not do? No, it was. It was some other folks. Yeah, that's why a lot of people don't like it. That's why. See, I didn't even know that. He's writing super though, but I think he's just kind of pulling things. He's just dropping trowel, just pulling things out now. Dropping trowel. Yeah, see, I, I didn't even know. I didn't even realize he did. And so that's, I guess maybe that's why it feels like a little disjointed because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. You know, it's like, it's like if you started writing something and someone else came in later and tried it's like to a fan fiction. what you were writing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like fan fiction. Well, I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe I'm <laughs> crapping on it too much there. But, uh. Damn. <laughs> oh, man. Um, one of the things we talked about, you mentioned Adult Swim. Uh, yeah. Another thing you mentioned uh, that we, would talk, we were talking about the other day was. Uh, was it 12-ounce mouse? 12-ounce mouse. Okay. okay. And this is what I was just talking about, about the golden era of yeah, Adult yeah. Swim. They had just every show was just boom, boom, hit, 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 hit after hit, you know? And then they, Adult Swim <laughs> tries to... Yeah. was 12-ounce mouse. Well, <laughs> I think they let the creators of Aqua Teen kind of just, they were like, go nuts. You, any idea you pitch to us, we're going to put on the air. So. Oh, I didn't. So that's uh, one of the, the same guys as Aqua Teen. It's one of the creators of Aqua Teen. I think he was just... Tr- Taking Aqua Teen to it, like the limit of where you could go with an animated show and like dry, nonsensical humor, which, which Aqua Teen is, but it kind of is cohesive enough to where it like makes sense. Yeah. And people love it because of the characters. But 12 Ounce Mouse, it just, it was awful in all respects. Like the humor just sucked. The animation was like children's drawings. And I think there was like sort of a meta purpose for that. I, yeah, like, like this is supposed to be bad it was like self-aware yeah and i think that's what i mean is they were trying to take it to where it was like how far can we take nonsense and just the driest dullest humor but i think uh tim and eric kind of did that better at the same time with tom goes to the mayor that was before they did the tim and eric awesome show but uh but they did that like uh, photocopied Xerox looking animation where it was just still frames, you know, but I, I, I thought the characters in that show were interesting, even though it was just like nonsense. It was just know? like compelling enough, like on its own. That yeah. It, gotcha. it, it didn't get boring, I guess. Yeah. So, so do you think like, uh, you know, and we kind of touched on that you designed <clears throat> the, um, the posters for like the speakeasy shows and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that kind of like your mindset and the things that you think, you know, that really resonate with you as far as like in the anime space, you think that kind of comes from like your background as like being a graphic designer? Yeah, no, uh, like in a car- in cartoonist, right? You do non doc. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well with non doc, I mean, that's a little bit, <laughs> that's a little bit different. I have to, uh, I don't have to do anything like trace. He's, he, I'll just talk about this for just a second, but like trace is uh, a great editor, a great, uh, editor in chief of non doc. He kind of just says I can do, whatever you know and so i kind of i'm all over the place i'll I'll do like memes as far as like a political cartoon goes Uh, but he says you know don't need to do it about politics so i just kind of do it about whatever but anyway that that's a totally different mindset i guess than what i go into with the uh posters for the shows with the shows i mean um our next one coming up is buffy the vampire slayer uh october 21st and so in preparation for that i'm watching the series and that's kind of the mindset I get into because I have no idea what to put on a poster for this show. So yeah. I'm going to watch the so series, just, just do my ma- research. Source material. And yeah, just- and then it's just kind of a vibe, I think. So um, what I'm noticing with Buffy first season is uh, 
you know, it's kind of campy. So I'm, yeah. th- I'm, I'm thinking of all these like Hammer 1970s horror film, like the, their posters, you know, that, like that kind of campy cult <laughs> horror. Yeah. That's just wonderful. And so I'm, it's like I'm so bad that it's good. Yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking about going that direction with it and just see what, what happens there. But that, yeah, that would be fun, man. But like, that's kind of the, yeah. the vibe. Uh, um, for instance, with the Cowboy Bebop poster, um, I kind of, if you look at the intro for Cowboy Bebop Tank, which very famous song and very famous intro, like the credits are very uh, Saul Bass. He kind of did the uh, credits for like uh, Alfred Hitchcock movies in the 60s. It seems it seems like that Cowboy Bebop intro kind of takes a lot of uh, inspiration from it. So what I did for the poster was uh, looked at some like Saul Bass posters and kind of sort of mimicked it, but kind of added a little bit of modern flair to it. So that's, that's just kind of the vibe. I guess that's cool, man. Yeah. I think you totally like (laughs) capture it. Like, I think you've nailed every poster so far. So I'm excited to see the next one. Thanks man. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be cool. Um, so yeah, like, you know, a lot of these, the shows you watch, you know, kind of translate into what you like as an adult. A lot of the times, like, some things you like certain things you like uh latch on to is like that becomes the thing that you like mm-hmm. um but i think sometimes maybe it's like you know also could help you like pick your career path as well of course like I, yeah. I know you like a lot of anime like a lot sure. of action like uh like kung fu type <laughs> stuff like of i know course. that's kind of a reach but even like cowboy bebop like is very martial arts oh jeet kune do and, yeah uh, spike spiegel but yeah and so but that kind of translates into you like in your professional life right yeah i work for um century martial arts and i do a lot of pr- different kinds of printing over there and some graphic design just kind of that sort of thing but i'm around martial artists and martial arts all day every day you know so it's it's kind of interesting to see you know a show like cowboy bebop where you see you know spike's form and he's talking about jeet kune do and bruce lee's philosophy yeah. and that sort of thing so let's just say yeah, that's <clears throat> kind of the thing i was i couldn't eloquently put <laughs> is that you know it kind of translates you know you grew up liking that kind of thing sure of course it, in a way, I think a lot of times you kind of gravitate towards things like that. And yeah. so I think it's really cool. Like it's, it's like translated from you, you know, liking it like in that space to actually your professional life. Yeah. So I, I think that's pretty cool. And then uh, we talked a little bit about Century Martial Arts and mm-hmm. you're telling me like just like the crazy like people and like all the stuff that like, goes on up there. Like, yeah, like well, a lot of people aren't even aware of that place. Can you maybe talk a little bit about sure, like, yeah. just like the background um, of it? Century Martial Arts is a a supplier, so it's a they do uh, we make all of UFC's like stuff. All we have a contract with them, and uh, so they make a lot of things over there, like punching bags. Uh, you've probably seen the the bobs. It's like a man looking punching bag thing. They're everywhere, and they make them. You know, uh, they sell them. That's a Century product. Um, but yeah, they make all every uniform. They did the uniforms for the uh, Karate Kid movie a long time yeah, ago, 1982. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, they did the uniforms for that oh, that movie. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But um, but it's been around since the late 70s, and uh, I've worked there for 10 years now, and it's it's been a great great uh, company to work for. But yeah, what you're talking about with the uh, <laughs> the maybe different aspects of my job, you know, that are, uh, unusual to people that are outside <laughs> of that is, you know, I'll just be walking down the hall with some paperwork, you know, just going to talk to somebody and you'll just see two people just like beating the hell out of each other, <laughs> like just sparring, you know, uh, see in my job, we just think about doing that. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, yeah, it's it's a uh, fantasy made reality there up there, go. but uh, but you they squash the beef then in there. Yeah, they teach <laughs> you. They give uh, free classes to uh, employees. So and there's oh, very really? um, there's all different kinds of disciplines that Everyone you can learn. There's so. a black belt. No, oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you can. Uh, if you just stayed with it, you could earn a black that's belt awesome, or, and yeah. whatever. Not all, you know, not every martial not arts has yeah, a I belt system, but yeah. But it's it's a it's a interesting job. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. That's cool, man. I remember we because uh, we kind of talked about this like a while back. But you're saying that um, Ric Flair like comes is like the craziest, like most random people you'll see up there. Like Ric Flair was up there before you said once. Yeah, no, that was in uh, Vegas. So we have a uh, oh yeah yeah that's what it was. We have a trade show every year in uh, Vegas, and uh, that was just uh, last month. And Ric Flair was just randomly there. I mean, I guess he was like signing. He was there for to speak yeah. at a, uh, a seminar. Um, I don't know what he was promoting, but anyway, he uh, just himself man. got Nature a lot of woos in. You know, Nature uh, Boy. You could hear it from across the uh, show floor. <laughs> you know, it was that loud. But uh, yeah, that was an interesting experience. I mean, there there were a lot of uh, big time martial artists up there. If you like UFC, I mean, there's you see the fighters. You know, it's it's pretty incredible. That's cool. My, probably my favorite one that you we talked about was that uh, Spawn. You got to meet. Yeah, Michael Jai White. He <laughs> no, was he there. Just spawned yeah. me, actually. He spawned right in front of me. Actually, he threw <laughs> he threw a bunch of punches like five feet yeah, from my face, and I was just like blown away at how fast he could uh, throw yeah. punches. You know, it just and the 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 velocity and the power of these punches, man. Oh, he would wreck you for sure. I oh, I wouldn't even try it. You know, <laughs> wouldn't even try it. <laughs> that's funny, man. Yeah, I, that's that's super awesome. Like it's cool to have a place like that with like such a history like i think people may not have even known that that place existed but they like provided all the geese for karate kids yeah they're everywhere man like if you see something like um in a movie or tv show where people are like wearing like some sparring gear like century most likely made that that's all and that's an oklahoma city based company yeah and they're they we ship all over the world um just all over the country definitely it's it's pretty nuts it's a whole big big factory you know it's a big uh big building that's awesome man so right by golf course (laughs) it's kind of cool like talking about you know and i don't mean to keep harping on cowboy bebop but it's just you know front of the mind right now because we've been talking about it but uh you talked about, you know, knowing like the intro and the end credits. Sure. And you're talking about have Alfred, Hitch- Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. And I've kind of noticed that like you you really like like that throwback type stuff. And I think that's really cool. Like uh, we talked about how you're like a fan of uh, like jazz and everything. Yeah. So and, and that kind of goes with all that too. like 1960s. A, a lot of people like the 60s for different reasons, but there were a lot of things going on in that decade. Uh now that I'm thinking about it, but uh, anyway, so '60s jazz, I'm really into. It's like modal jazz, and yeah, so yeah, that yeah. is when that is the decade when jazz became like too cool. So if you listen to jazz, you were like too cool and kind of a snob. Like <laughs> but, the, uh, we were talking about that, like the uh, you're like Doug's sister from. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Doug, yeah, like, Doug, Doug, like, funny, uh, way too cool, like yeah, everything. like a beatnik kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, but that's what it was. Um, but. It, it became more about like a musical philosophy around that time rather than like, I want people to listen to this, you know, on the radio or, you know, dance to it in a, in a bar. You it was know? like a movement type of thing. Yeah. It became more of like a, uh, we're going to explore like sort of, um, like an abstract painting, like a Jackson Pollock, you know, it's just, yeah. it's, you know, it's out there. That's what jazz became in the sixties. So, but that's the jazz I like actually. It's, it's very relaxing. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. Like, and it's just like one of those things like, 
you know, just knowing you from like, you know, not knowing you very well, like you wouldn't think <laughs> that, you know, if someone didn't know you very well, they wouldn't just automatically assume that you like jazz or anything. Sure. Probably not. They probably think I like, uh, just like hair metal. Stuff. I don't hair. know. <laughs> <laughs> Look at from me. your era, man. Look at me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, we did talk about, uh, you know, the sixties eras type music stuff, mm-hmm. but, um, I remember talking about how funny it was that you like never really listened to the Beatles. Was it? No, growing up, um, my parents, my parents didn't really listen to the Beatles or the beach boys or anything like that. You know, I'm, I'm from Edmond. I don't know why this matters so much, but I always bring this up. <laughs> Here's a disclaimer. Yeah. It's the first thing that pops into my mind is like Edmund kids when they were raised, you know, That's their weird. parents listened to the Beatles, beach boys, <laughs> uh, whatever. Gonna, as soon as like, we'll see a drop off. Like as soon as you say I'm from Edmund, everybody's gonna be like, yep. Click X. This podcast is done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> but, um, well, Edmund wasn't, I could go into this for a while, but Edmund wasn't like, what it is today. I know I won't get into it too much, but Edmund used to be a very, uh, more quiet town. I guess I'll put it that way. Less people, a lot less people. But, um, anyway, so growing up, my parents, they, my dad listened to like the cars. That was like a huge band. A lot of Michael Jackson. Um, a lot of, um, like new Jack swing compilation tapes. I don't know, like Bobby Brown type (laughs) stuff. I don't know. I just remember him listening to like the fresh prints and stuff like that. But, um, and my mom, she was really into like journey and stuff like that. So we never really, when we went in the car, it it wasn't ever the Beatles or anything like that. So I just, I didn't come around to the Beatles till I was in like college, you know, that's kind of weird. It's kind of funny because it's like, you know, they're arguably the, biggest band of all time you know Mm -hmm. but for someone like you like finding them so late it's kind of like what's the big deal with these guys like you know what i mean well yeah i mean kind of and i i guess i could see it because there wasn't really a band like that before i mean there was elvis and of course he was huge but by that time i mean he was kind of getting into the like just making movies you know so he was kind of in had a different crowd i guess but um but yeah, once I got into the Beatles and I was listening to their music, I was also reading the um, anthology books where it just kind of like talked about what how they recorded it and you know went through their process and with a lot of interviews. And so it was it was very interesting to to read about their experiences in the '60s. You know, so uh, yeah, that's how I got into them, and I, I do like the Beatles. I do I do like that is them funny. Now. Yeah, he's like. Don't get me wrong, I do like them. <laughs> yeah, no, I like the Beatles. I wasn't trying to say that you know you they're a bad band them. or anything. Yeah. Ripping on them. It's funny. I, I just like transitions into, into uh, I just tagged you the other day on Facebook because mm-hmm. uh, I told you that Avery started, Avery Odin just started yeah, oh, yeah. working with me. And something came up just talking about, I think someone's, uh, at, when I was at work, someone's like didn't realize their headphones weren't in and they're like <laughs> on hold or I don't remember what exactly happened, but. It was like some elevator music type stuff started playing uh-huh. like and they didn't know and they're like trying to pause it like <laughs> and I was like what do you listen to Rippingtons mm-hmm. and uh, Avery actually was a fan of, like I guess his dad likes the Rippingtons oh yeah and it's so kind of dad music I, had, uh, yeah. <laughs> it kind of I uh, think I like he he was like man you guys see his music video what was that music video again was uh, that, tourist in, or uh, tourist in paradise yeah. yeah and so it was just like this most ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, so 
80s like yeah. music video you could think of, but you're actually a fan of those guys, right? I like the Rippingtons unironically. Um, I think a lot of people like them ironically currently because of uh, like the vaporwave uh, yeah, yeah, genre, yeah. like micro genre. I guess it's still considered because it's kind of an underground thing. But the Rippingtons are used, they're kind of like sampled a lot in vaporwave. And so that's how I got into them. I was just like, I want to hear what what the samples are here. So I looked them up and I was like, you know what? This is kind of like elevatory, weather yeah. channel-y, Hobby Lobby music. <laughs> and I love it. You know, it's like Kenny G was in the, uh, the Rippingtons in the 80s. Was he? That's how he got his start, oh, actually. Wow. Um, or I don't know if he actually started in there, but he was in that band when he was before he became a solo artist. <clears throat> so you hear a lot of that, you know, smooth sax, you oh. know, with all the, the keyboards and the, the bongos and... God. But it's, it's just so perfect. All my um, cringe, man. All my cringe. But with that music video, uh, that cat that's surfing around, that's like their mascot. And I think his, oh, it was a cat. Got I think it. his name is just Jazz Cat or something. So creative. <laughs> but they have him on every, he's on every album cover. Oh, yeah. They have that, like a million like a albums. And, thing? I thought that yeah. was like a one-off, like, no. we're going to be dumb and put, put him in no. this video. It reminded me it's of like uh, their was that like the was like Paul Abdul or something had a song like in the eighties. Yeah, uh, what uh, was that? It was we the, come together uh, and then the family it was guy like a like, cat or something. Yeah, like? I'm like, I'm dressed like a cat, but that's not what he says. But uh, that's the yeah. Family Guy uh, that's funny. parody of it. But, but I just like immediately, but he is dressed like a cat. <laughs> immediately made me think of that, like when I saw that music video, and so it was just kind of funny that it Maybe. organically came up. Yeah, and the first thing I thought was like, man, freaking Mike actually likes these guys like on, on purpose. Oh yeah, no, I listen to them <laughs> while I'm like working on my art. It's great. <laughs> I've actually thought about starting a Twitch uh, channel, Twitch stream, just where I just Rippingtons. draw stuff and just have the Rippingtons playing <laughs> while I'm drawing. People I think it would be so great because like they'll be cracking up. Just be like, yeah. what is this guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be wonderful. So um, that's funny. Just talking about like the music videos, we talked about. Uh, randomly something like you being at bank, uh, at a, a SNB burger and watching oh, like yeah. a Tom Petty music video. What was like the story with that? So I went to SNB burgers to eat with, uh, Dave Nim, older brother of James Nim. Uh, we're all in the Nims, but me and shameless, Dave, shameless plug. Yeah. Dave and I, <laughs> Dave and I went over there just to eat a burger. And I think just to say, Hey, to our buddy Dylan, who is also in the Nims <laughs> and he works there. <laughs> but, uh, so we were getting the, uh, the old Wednesday special over there, but, um, they show, uh, old music videos in S and B burgers. If, if you've ever been with a one, but, uh, the Tom Petty's, uh, free fallen video came on and I'm sitting there, you know, chowing down and I look over and I'm, I'm looking at these, this video and there's a point in the video where it's just like a like a little montage of uh, skateboarders on like a half pipe, like doing all these tricks, you know, eighties <laughs> tricks though. They're not like that crazy. But, um, so I see this woman, uh, young woman in the video and I'm like, she is very attractive. You know, I, I need to go home and look up who this woman is. <laughs> this is just like a stupid, yeah, this is just like a <laughs> dumb thing that, people do you know you go home and you look up somebody but um so i look her up and i'm just like okay she was just like a gymnast and she doesn't do anything anymore but i'm watching the video for tom petty to get her name and i see this comment and some guy's like the skateboarder in a teal t-shirt in this video he's in jail now for raping and killing a girl and burying or no throwing her body off a cliff and i'm like what so i'm like this this cannot be true this is just random idiot on the internet posting this and so i'm like i gotta google this and so 
you know, Google it up. And uh, it turns out it's true. This guy, his name was uh, Mark Rogowski, and he was like a big, big time skater in the 80s. He was friends with Tony Hawk, and he was like just, yeah, one of the biggest skaters, like sort of a vert skater. Like street skating kind of took over in the 90s, you know. Yeah. But vert skating was pretty big back then. And uh, but anyway, he, uh, no, he, uh, he was a born-again Christian later in the 80s, and kind of by the time he was in the Tom Petty video, he was having trouble with his girlfriend. And they broke up like shortly after that. This is around 91, I think. But um, anyway, her friend calls him up out of the blue one day and was like, show me around San Diego. I want to see the town. His friend called him? Yeah, his ex-girlfriend's friend who he hadn't talked to in a while. He hadn't talked to her friend either. Hadn't had any contact. You know, he's just kind of hanging out in San Diego. And so he shows her around the city, takes her home. You know, they're like drinking, I guess. And then he just like kills her like in his apartment just randomly goes nuts like like rapes her kills her it's terrible no it's terrible that's not a good host yeah and then he like puts her in a bag and like buries her out in the desert you know a cliff and buried her i don't think he threw up i I never read that like (laughs) the guy on the youtube video just (laughs) embellished i guess i don't know he buried her but the guy said he threw up a cliff no yeah and so him being a born-again christian he like confessed to his pastor and the guy was like, hey, you got to turn yourself in, dude. <laughs> and so, yeah, no, I mean, this is nuts. Like he, That's so he crazy. turns himself in, says, here's how I did it. I did on this day. She's right there. I think actually her body was found by like some campers or something. Some which, this jogger, is just nuts. always finding yeah. people. But anyway, so now he's in jail uh, for like 30 years, I believe. When was yeah. that that he got arrested? Uh, this was like early 1992. So, uh, this was like February or March 92. And then he, he was like in jail, like pretty soon after that. It didn't take long. Um, and so, yeah, he's been serving time ever since then. And, uh, I think he only has like six more years in prison and he's going to get out. That's crazy. So, uh, but, but what's, (laughs) but it's weird (laughs) that I'm just eating a burger at SMBs and it just, this rabbit hole just opens up, you know, and then you're just like this poor woman. Well, yeah, and, and it's just a crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's the power of the internet too. I mean, you just go down these Wikipedia, YouTube rabbit holes, and you just find all this stuff, and it's just kind of nuts sometimes. Man, that's wild. What, what was that guy's name again? Mark Rogowski. Mark he Rogowski. Went by, he went by Gator Mark Rogowski. So, oh. yeah. Gator Mark. He was he was like a, a clothing model too for like skate athletic wear clothing oh, too. Him and his girlfriend, they were like a power couple, you know, in the skate world. Mark Mark Knight might need to come on the Tunes podcast and and uh, he can yeah. plead his case. You guys heard it here first. It's an open <laughs> invite to Mark. He can come. Man, <laughs> Give us I don't his know. side of the story. If they play podcast in prison, maybe. <laughs> uh, I think he's in California. I think. Oh, man. <clears throat> Man, that is wild. That's just it's fu- yeah, like it's it's funny like the things like you said just something will trigger something else and like by oh, the yeah. time you, you you're like Where, how did I get here? Like Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the, the internet for you, you know. You can start clicking around. I think there's a term for that, but I don't know it. I can't oh, yeah. think of it. Um that's funny, man. Um so kind of you know, going back to the adult swim. Sure. Uh that seems to be like a staple for like a lot of people like around our age is that mm-hmm. that was really big around the time that, you know, we were watching, we would watch that just like when we yeah. were growing up, like that was the thing to watch. Oh yeah. Uh, that and Toonami, I think are like the two big things. I and was an addict. They like combined for a while, like oh, strangely. Yeah. One right after another. Um, right 
But just in the vein of Adult Swim, um, we talked about Jay Dilla. Oh, yeah. So actually uh, with Dilla, I actually got into Dilla a little bit before Adult Swim. Started I was posting a fan stuff. before. Uh, well, no, no. Uh, actually, broke, uh, I, have a, I have a good friend. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That was kind of He really sold out went to Adult Swim. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah. So I have a friend who, who knows a lot about hip hop. I mean, he is like a hip hop academic, like a scholar. He, uh, he's a DJ. He lives in uh, San Francisco now, but, um, he kind of turned me on to him. This was back in 2005, I want to say. And, um, just heard some like earlier stuff of his and, um, but anyway, right around the time, uh, Jay Dilla passed away, which was 2006, February of 2006. That was when Donuts came out which is one of my favorite albums of all time. Like that, that changed the way I listen to music. But anyway, Adult Swim, I think in maybe sort of an honor, you know, of Jay Dilla or something, they would post some of his tracks on the bumps, you know, going in and out of commercial breaks. Yeah. And so that's when I, when I started hearing the tracks on Adult Swim, I was like, wait a minute, I've heard this before from my friend, you know, uh, my friend Rick had played this for me before. So that's kind of how I got into Dilla. And uh, yeah, Adult Swim was very big on Jay Dilla. Back well, that then. was like uh, the the bumpers everybody remembers when it was just like the all black, the real minimalist, right? It was like the the yeah. black screen with just the text, and then it was like, why is this song? Yeah. Why is this like randomly like a minute <laughs> of this song and like this text? Like, I think a lot of people were confused about it, but it was because it was like a nod to Jay Dilla. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Adult Swim had like a kind of a formula back then too. It was kind of like earlier in the night they would have the quotes in the brackets, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they would play bumper music. But later in the night, like the real late, like when you'd watch like Inuyasha or like, yeah. um, I think Cowboy Bebop came on like <laughs> 1 a.m. or something. But um, that's when they would they would show you like a picture of like an overpass in a like Atlanta or something. That's where William Street is. Um, and it would just show you this overpass and it would just be a Dilla beat on top of it. And it was just brilliant. Like I loved it. It just gave you this great, um, late night, just you're in a dimly lit room watching adult swim. You're just, you feel good. I don't know how to describe it. Other, it's probably for stoners really, but you know, (laughs) that's, I got a little bit different vibe out of it, but yeah. That's funny. So kind of like in that same vein, we, you know, we talk about, you know, Jay Dilla and, how those songs were just like the little snippets. Yeah. And we talked about how like, um, I guess the reception for that originally was just like, you know, these are incomplete or like, what are we like? What is this? Like he never finished it. Right. It was like the vibe when those first came out. Right. Yeah. So with donuts, that album that we played on adult swim a lot, um, that album is sort of a, um, that's like his magnum opus. Everyone kind of considers it now. At the time, people were very critical of it because it's not like a normal hip hop album. It's almost like a jazz album in a way because there's no words. It's kind of he he samples music in a way that I had never heard before, like a producer sample. But um, <clears throat> so each track is only about a minute long. Some of them are even shorter than a minute, um, and they're supposed to be like donuts you know each one kind of has a different feel to it like you would open a box of donuts and you know you have your different kinds of donuts and uh and the album uh, begins and ends with sort of the same uh track so it kind of loops like, kinda comes like a donut circle. yeah full oh, circle that's funny like yeah that's super like and that's how you like what you're talking about it's Maybe because people were so critical of it because they didn't kind of see the big picture of it but it's I think really so. conceptual <clears throat> yeah and he 
so a lot of people considered it like beat sketches, you know, because it's just like there's no words. It's just like a minute long. So normally you would have like a beat tape and it would just be ideas. But I kind of look at it more like um, beat impressionist paintings. So like in the 1880s when impressionism, post-impressionism, post-impressionism was around, uh, you know, a lot of the art world was like these paintings are incomplete. You know, it looks like an underpainting. It's not finished. But that's impressionism. You know, it doesn't look like a finished painting or at the time. Yeah. But that's kind of how I see these uh, these tracks, these J. Dilla tracks, is they're, they're like beat impressionist paintings. Yeah, they were, they were created up until the point where he thought, you know what, that's... It's done. That's yeah. it. Feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of the same way. It was like one of those things like, you know, I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. So here it is. Like, this is the whole idea. Like, that's it. Yeah, for sure. And he was... What's a really amazing, too, with all of this is he was like... He made most of it in the hospital, like in a hospital bed. That's what's kind of crazy about it. So he was kind of dying while he was making it. That's Which crazy. is really sad, too, because like one of the last tracks is called like Bye. <laughs> like B-Y-E. Jeez. Yeah, I know. And one of them is called like last donut of the night. You know, it's just like kind of sad, like at the end, because it's like the last stuff you would ever release. It's crazy, but like he knew. Yeah, the album dropped three days before he died. It's like Bowie, like how Bowie had like that, uh, his kind of like last little project he did. Yeah, for sure. He knew he was going to go. So he's just like, that's crazy. Just like the realization. Mm hmm. Of mortality. You're like, yeah, man, I'm going to die. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. um, And, one actually now that I th- now I'm thinking about this even further. There's a track uh, later on the album called um, "You Love," I believe, and it's a, the sample is from a track. I forget what the original artist is, but the, the the song says, "When I die, I hope I'll be the kind of man that you thought I'd be." So it's just like kind of crazy, and he kind of loops that "When I die," you know, kind of thing. So it's, yeah, it's kind of there's a whole larger oh, man. concept with the whole the album. That's just it's fantastic. That's wild. Um, so we kind of talked about, you know, from that vein of those beat sketches, kind of instrumental type stuff that seems to be like your vibe that you rock with. Mm -hmm. Um, we talked about, uh, and my friend Taj is like a big, big fan of a flying Lotus. Flying Lotus, fly low, big adult swim. Uh, actually I found out about flying Lotus through adult swim. I think most people did. Yeah. He had one of the most popular like bumps, bumpers, you know, uh, if you go to YouTube, I think it's like, it has like millions and millions of views and it's just like a 15 second clip or something, you know, but it's, it's one of his beats. Um, I'm trying to think of what it shows. I think it's like a pinball machine or something and it lights up when the beat drops, you know, it kicks in cause it starts out kind of lo-fi like you're listening to it outside of some headphones or something yeah, like, it's far like a tiny speaker. Yeah. And then it like drops in with like this clarity and it's just like boom and it just is fantastic. And, um, that's how I found out about Flying Lotus. And he, this ties in with the jazz, he's like the great uh, great nephew of uh, Alice Coltrane. Yeah, John Coltrane. That's, that was the tie-in. Yeah, so he's like related, yeah. you know, to to that sort of scene. Cool. And a lot of his music kind of reflects that. He's kind of a new... new like a new iteration? Yeah, he kind of blurs the line between like hip-hop, jazz, electronic, kind of some stuff like that. Like Thundercat, he, he works with him a lot, the bassist. Yeah, yeah, um, who I consider kind of the new, uh, I kind of new jazz musician. Although he's kind of neo soul, I don't know. Everything it's, gets yeah, mixed around these days, is you know. Just so yeah, it's, you, know, the you genre. can't put everything in a box anymore. It's, yeah, 
people are like taking different elements from everything. For sure, man. And that's the fun thing about music is that it can be anything. The fun that's thing right. about art at large, like it, it can be anything. Oh, yeah. And I love it. You yeah. went to, aren't you? You're a classically trained musician, right? Yeah. So I, um, I was in orchestra, you know, orchestra nerd in uh, middle school and high school. So, you know, seven years of like a classical music education. Um, that's how I started playing music. Um, yeah, got into it that way. And then I just played in bands ever since then. So I'm more of a rock, uh, education since then. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no cl- classical music is great. I mean, that kind of, again, ties into the jazz. Yeah. And see, it's kind of the, I mean, the jazz thing, is the thing like, coming full circle. I mean, it, it, you know, I think it's kind of defined everything yeah. in North, North America f- for like the past hundred years. Yeah. Like it's just, it's the been, great original. It is. I mean, it's totally American. Our original, you know, uh, style of music and the circumstances you know here in this country kind of made it happen so i mean for better or worse you know there's a lot of bad circumstances that made jazz happen but uh maybe i don't know i could yeah. get into a history lesson there but <laughs> yeah. you know if we want but uh yeah man i think that's i mean it's interesting to think about and especially with someone like you that you seem to like pull from all these different areas it's to like you you can't quite nail it down because you like right. all these different things. Like you're pulling from all these different sure. areas. So I think it's interesting. Like it's, it's really dynamic. Like, you know, I don't just like this one thing. Like I'm all over the board. Yeah. That's how I feel like I am too. Like I, from I'll jump around and like just listen to all like manner of crazy music. And it's like, yeah, why not? It's yeah, out I go there, from man. one end of the spectrum to the other. And it's like, man, there's enough, like yeah. something for everyone. And it's so easy to access any music you want these days. I mean, mm-hmm. you can, it's everywhere, everywhere. If you want it, you know, you can just find like the most underground brand new stuff, like the sounds that you've never, you never thought you would hear, you know, you can find them at the, you know, click of a mouse. Yeah. That's the touch of a screen. That's the cool, the accessibility of it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I mean, and even with like, um, musicians today come into prominence mm-hmm. is that's where a lot of those people are getting access, like Chance the Rapper. Chance the Rapper, yeah, like, you know, good he, example. You know, reminds you in every song that he's not on a label. Like, we get it, <laughs> Chance. You're not signed. Yeah, that's true. Still Shout out that. to SoundCloud, okay? Like, <laughs> of course, yeah. SoundCloud is pretty cool, though. And yeah, so, yeah, I, like, I mean, I like it, it is cool. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not taking away from SoundCloud, but sure, it's just yeah. like one of those things that's like effectively has changed the way that music is consumed and the way yeah. that people come to prominence is that, you know, you can upload to SoundCloud and it's instantly accessible to like, you know, yeah. millions of people. And then if the right person that knows a guy hears it and he's yep. like, man, this guy, that's people catching their breaks. Yeah. That's kind of how the it's weekend crazy. started too. Yeah, uh, yeah, with yeah. Drake kind of just randomly hearing them. That's wild, know? man. Like and you hear those boom. stories and like you got, you have to think like, like just putting yourself in the headspace of like that person, like is Drake like seriously reaching out to me? Seriously, right now? yeah. Like, what? And I think that actually happened to Drake. That's I think Lil Wayne actually like heard him randomly like on on something, and just, you got to like, think like man, it's like when they reach out, you're like that's bullshit. Like this yeah, isn't. <laughs> yeah Drake probably, is not yeah. Uh, is not DMing me right now. Like no, I probably yeah, I think it's like, some what kind of the heck? That's crazy. Pulling your leg or something. Hey, I want to yeah. sign you. I just need a. 16 numbers on your uh, credit card. Let's fly to Houston, make a mixtape. <laughs> like what? Yeah. You want me to quit my job? That is crazy. Like yeah. the, when it happens like that, you're like, man, like, and you hear about it later on and you're like, that's crazy that someone, you know, was just creative and put something out and right. someone found it. Like that's, that's how you crazy. do it. I mean, that's the beauty of the internet. 
And I think I actually uh, I watched a series on YouTube, and I want to say it's from Genius, maybe. Um, I don't know. I, like I get into really like production of music a lot, and so I'll uh, I like to watch like uh, people that constructed a beat, like people that produced yeah. the track. Um, they go and talk about how like they got to sure you know all the things that came together for them to produce a track. Yeah, definitely. And specifically with Chance the Rapper, like. The song No Problem, uh-huh. it was just two guys. Like These two guys have been writing music together for like two years. And um, they've been making these beats, and they made they made the beat for No Problem. And, you know, somebody in, like instantly thought, man, Chance the Rapper should get on that. And I guess they tweeted him, and he listened to it, and, like, he followed them, and yeah. they DM'd him, and he got on the track. And actually, I heard originally uh, Three Stacks was supposed to be on that with him. Uh, Andre really? 3000 was supposed to be... I could see on that track with the, yeah, yeah, it was like, like totally like because yeah. Outcast has always been kind of that yeah that different like not just the same meat and potatoes type rap like, right and that's why I think they've stood the t- the test of time like Outcast is honestly well, one of my favorite groups if, if they ever make well, up and uh, get back together if they if they made something again now though like you know people would be like eating it up oh like, yeah for sure like, people would be like oh man triumphant like, return three yeah. stacks and big boy getting back together like that's crazy. <laughs> I wonder if they've grown apart too, uh, you know, creatively too much. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I I never thought that. You know, it's weird because I never thought about Andre being better than Big Boy Mm -hmm. until somebody suggested it. Like someone I was talking to, and I can't think of who it was, but like the first time I heard that, I like never thought like, oh, like yeah, they're kind of different styles and. Well, yeah. How can you say one's better than the other, though? It's like, uh, they're kind of a group. Like, they're, I don't know. They made it, well, they they kind of did that to themselves with that That's true. Uh, double album. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they really did. Like, I was going to say, Speaker Box, Love Below. They really were like, like here's mine, here's his. That you was, know, that yeah, I mean, that kind of did turn it into, like, mm-hmm. sp- comparison I don't think time. Split, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it's just one of those things, like, it's the, you know, subjectivity of music. Sure, of you course. Know, like, and it's just one of those things, like, I think it's funny that I never thought, oh, like, yeah, I guess Andre is better than Big Boy. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Until somebody well, no, suggested yeah. it. And I'm like, oh, I guess, because I always thought of them as like the... A team, man. Yeah, like the, they're a package deal. Yeah, like yin and yang, counterbalance. Actually, a while back, um, I heard, like, I used to work at a liquor store in mm-hmm. Edmond, and uh, we had a guy that was like a concert promoter that used to come in, and I think he did some, like, the... What is that venue that's right by downtown? It's like outside. It's like the, it's like an outdoor. It's a bar? No, it's like a, well, it's like a big outdoor theater. I can't even think of what Downtown it, Edmond? It's no, no, no. Downtown OKC. Oh, I was about to say, there's no, uh, oh, you're talking about like the Myriad Gardens? Like no, there's little... like a, I keep wanting to say air park, but I don't think that's right. Oh, down there by the river? Yeah. Is that the air park? Uh, yeah, that was, was. It's, oh, it's, it's going to be the Wheeler District now. Oh, uh, okay. Coming so up. That, I'd like to show us how much i know but. yeah uh, uh i think it's blair humphreys i believe bought it or i think he owned it actually oh. and then was using it as concerts but, gotcha um yeah. but a guy that i knew that did that was putting on concerts there for a little while was like told us like on the low was like oh yeah like Richard, we're uh, bringing in outcast and i was like what like and so i was like super geeked for the show because <laughs> he would ask us like you know sometimes when you come in like if if we wanted tickets to your show and it was Usually like a garbage show like Buck Cherry or some shit I don't want to listen to. <laughs> Just insulted all the tunes listeners, yeah. Buck Cherry fans, yeah. you know. Well they're gone. Shout out to Buck Cherry. They're gone, if you guys like Buck Cherry. <laughs> oh, they already left, so they didn't hear. 
That's true. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> that drop, that rate, that drop rate again, right there. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny, man. Just thinking about just the type of shows. Like I, I honestly love going to shows. Like the next show I'm going to is Kings of Leon. Which oh, I've talked awesome! To, yeah, talked to you about local them boys. Be, them being my yeah yeah them being my favorite like band. Heck yeah, man! But um, they're good. Yeah, like talk about some of the concerts you've been to. What's uh, what's the maybe talk about like the most recent one you've been to, and then one that stands out oh, as maybe that was most like your favorite recent concert. Gosh, I have not been. I'll be honest with you, I haven't been to a non-local concert <laughs> in whoo maybe. Five years, six years. Uh, I'm trying to think now. What was the last just, one? I mean, been? just who is someone that would that you know would come, that would come that you'd be like, I gotta go to that. Oh sure. Um, you know, back in the day, I used to go to a lot of concerts, and uh, right around the time Jimmy Eat World was blowing up, they they played at Kane. No, they didn't play at Kane's. They played at Curly's. A Bleed Tulsa. American, like it was right legit, after Bleed American Bleed Amer- came oh, out. Okay. okay. Uh, I want to say, oh, this was actually, I remember the exact day. It was, it was Valentine's day, 2002. Wow. <laughs> was that futures then? What's that? What's that? No, no. It was well right before after. futures. This was like, they played a lot of clarity stuff. Oh, okay. That was right before bleed American. So they were kind of touring with, with a lot goodbye of clarity. Sky Harbor, right? Yeah. Goodbye Sky Harbor. That That's a, crazy. one of the longest songs. Yeah. That song is nuts, but I, I actually kind of hated that track. Uh, really? First. They did it live. And did they really? He did a, uh. He had like a loop station and like built oh, that's all awesome. the layers yeah. and like it was crazy. That would be really cool to see. Um, I, I actually kind of hated that track at first, but then I, <laughs> I learned to like love it. I was just like, this is too long. What the hell are they doing? There's all you the know? Clar- all the Clarity fans just dropped off there. We're losing people left I'm and right. I'm one of the biggest. Mike. Clarity is in my top 10 <laughs> albums ever. You know, it's I love that album so much. Um, <laughs> but no, that, that's why I really wanted to see them. Um, so they played on Valentine's Day and they were touring with uh, Rachel Hayden of um, The Rentals and uh, let's see. No, her sister was in The Decemberists. Um, what was it, Rachel Hayden? And, Man, I haven't thought but, about them in a long time, The Decemberists. Yeah. The, Jeez. Talented, talented group. Um, but anyway, so oh, Rachel Hayden, I mean, she, she sung some songs with like Weezer, who I'm also a big fan of. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've known about Rachel Hayden for a long time, but uh, Jimmy World was touring with her. And so she provided a lot of the female vocal parts and the keyboard stuff on that tour. And it was amazing. Um, I remember that. She toured with them again then when I saw them. She must have, yeah. Because there was a girl randomly on the keyboard. And I was like, who the heck is that chick? Like, yeah. Because I had seen them. I saw them at the Diamond, which is garbage venue. But <laughs> everybody seems to go there every time. So it's like, God damn it. The, like, the Diamond, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the Diamond gets a bad rap. And probably rightfully so. But they have, they've had some great uh, concerts there. I've seen the, the the acoustics. Yeah, I've seen like the Get, really. up, get up Kids. Garbage and, yeah, right. It's yeah. the bullet holes that, you know, let it's, the sound in and yes. filter it. Yeah, it really uh, adds, it's the ambiance, you know, that fresh <laughs> fresh air <laughs> coming in. But uh, yeah, now the Diamond Ballroom has had some, some good shows uh, that I've seen there. You know, Get Up Kids, uh, The Anniversary, a lot of those vagrant bands, you know, <laughs> that I used to like. God. No, yeah, man. Anniversary is a is a great band. I've that's crazy. I've gotten to know some of the members of that band really? uh, actually in recent times. My friend Ricky, who is in my so called band, uh, who played here at the Tower, 
uh, recently. He is kind of touring with the anniversary as the guitarist. Wow, so and he's just kind like of a, backup like a, vocals. Just a touring member. Yeah, he's he's just touring with them. Um, but he's been in a lot of bands with uh, Josh Berwanger, the uh, singer, one of the singers of the anniversary. So uh, they kind of got to know each other pretty well from other projects. That's yeah. cool, man. But anyway, so I've yeah. gotten to know those guys a little bit. You know, it's been. Really cool. It's kind of weird when it comes like you're like I listen to these guys. Yeah, I was like obsessed. These guys, like what the heck? Yeah. So I uh, I went on an orchestra trip to London in 2001. It was right after September 11th attacks. Uh, We we took a trip to London, and uh, I was just obsessed with the first anniversary album. I was just listening to it on repeat, just over and over again. So I, I was, I, you know, later on meeting Josh Berwanger and telling him this, he was just like, really? You listened to our first album? Because anniversary <laughs> fans kind of, they like it, but they're just like, eh, we're just going to push that to the side and we're just going to listen to Your Majesty, the second album, which everyone loves. You know, it's like their sort of critically acclaimed yeah. album, you know, that where they had their singles and every all that good stuff. That's cool, man. Yeah, we. Uh, it's funny that you brought up the rentals because we talked about uh, Weezer and the rentals and uh, mm-hmm. Matt Sharp. So yeah, Matt Sharp is uh, he is he one played, of my favorite he, musicians. Bassist, of all time. he played bass. In the- yeah, he was the bassist for Weezer. He was the heart and soul of early Weezer. So if you if you're a person that likes the Blue Album and Pinkerton, specifically those two albums, you 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 like Matt Sharp and you probably don't realize it because he was the guy making all those weird noises and all the high-pitched vocals and doing all that crazy stuff and kind of making them the quirky band that they yeah. were back in the in the mid-90s. And so he, he you know he would wear his big Coke bottle glasses and you know that kind of stuff. But yeah, he is one of my favorite musicians ever because he's just he's just like a weird dude kind of very creative. Uh, he really liked that fuzzy, crunchy bass yeah, sound yeah, yeah. that I that I love, and so yeah, he he's he's just kind like of a fade, hero. Fade in on the chorus, just oh yeah, no, and he <laughs> there's this funny uh, David Letterman performance where Weezer played. I think it's from like 1995 or something, and they play Say It Ain't So. Yeah, and so all the members of Weezer, you know, they're there. They look real dorky. <laughs> Rivers, you know, he's just kind of being emo, standing in front of the mic, just playing guitar. I think he had just had surgery, so he couldn't move around. But Matt Sharp is in the background, and he's just jumping around, just flailing his arms around. And so, like, even during the solo where you think, oh, the camera needs to cut to the soloist. No, they show Matt Sharp because he's just, like, (laughs) jumping and doing the splits and, like, going crazy. Yeah, so he, I love Matt Sharp so much. (laughs) <laughs> cool dude he's a cool dude that's too funny man talking about like the vagrant records like we talked about like the different labels even that you know we liked and like field by ramen like yeah. all the different ones and it's funny what you like the the stuff you consume you know like just whatever tv shows or whatever so i always get like a ton of shit for this but like i watched the oc like, the oc oh, awful man. show but they uh I like found a lot of bands I really love like to this day from them. So something <laughs> corporate I think was on the OC. Uh, yeah. Phantom Planet, Phantom Planet. The opening theme. There's nothing to be ashamed uh, of watching the OC. Rooney, I love Rooney. The Killers, they were all on Rooney. Yeah, on the OC. I love Rooney. Yeah, and so cool it's band. just funny to like. Still you know, a cool band. Yeah, like you <clears throat> love these bands, but it's like associated with something that's like <laughs> everybody like universally kind of hates on. Right. Yeah, and. 
You know what? I, I think it's... It, hey, shout out to the OC. You know what? I don't care. That's right, yeah. Summer Bilson, you Woo, know, yeah. holler at me, get at me. Yeah, no kidding, man. She, <laughs> she was bae. She was waifu. Waifu for laifu. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, the OC, I think, was a guilty pleasure for a lot of people back then, especially... Uh, people around our age. Uh, and, but that's the thing is like girls and guys could get into it because yeah. they were like attractive women. Eye attractive, candy for everyone. Attractive men. Yeah. So it, it just, it worked out for everybody. And <laughs> even though the storylines were just cheesy is all, it's is like, anything. Oh darn, yeah. these, uh, these rich white people are, Oh no, they have yeah, such a terrible life. So. <laughs> Marissa took some Adderall. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Help her, please. Ryan. <laughs> Get in a fight. Help her. Knock God. someone into a pool. He's so misunderstood. <laughs> He's the just bad always boy. brooding. Yeah. Just always brooding. He brooded for 30 minutes one time. <laughs> but specifically, like, something corporate and Rooney, like, those bands oh, yeah. stood the test of time for me. Like, I love something corporate and Jack's Mannequin, like, uh, yeah. the uh, Andrews band later on after something corporate. And I actually got to see something, or uh, I actually got to see... Um, Jack's mannequin. That's and awesome. So they were incredible live, and so it's just really cool, like the things you get from you know, absolutely serendipitous. You know what I mean? You're watching yeah, the show because you're kind of into the show, and then you like yeah. find all this awesome music, and you're like, wow. <laughs> no, and the, I think the OC really did a good job promoting those bands too, because they came out with like a soundtrack, like CD. That is true. And they, I think they would like put Jock them on Jam, the credits. Right? You know, but, yeah. <laughs> No, that's right. And, but yeah, like obviously Phantom Planet was the theme song. Um, and I loved, yeah, I, I really did like that Phantom Planet album, but that was, the guess? Is yeah, that what that was on? I think that's right. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. It's funny. Cause it's like, that is like nowhere close to their best song. Like they've right, yeah. such a good, like just discography and like people that kind of get typecast with that song. And it's like, man, like, I there's know, so yeah. much more than California. That's like, the price of, uh, price of, uh, being on a, on a, teen tv show hey, that, yeah they paid their know. bills whenever that song that's came right out, you know Shoot. what that's right well jason schwartzman i guess he could pay yeah. his bills but otherwise, yeah that's and that was kind of funny because he's like he was like the actor of the band yeah i knew him from like rushmore wes anderson yeah yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. wes anderson films yeah wes anderson and that's another art show tie in the yeah we did, did wes anderson show. we did the wes anderson thing and uh that was a funny thing like i remember james just telling this ridiculous story about like going to pick up a piece and like some guy left it outside of a window or something crazy. And it was just I think like, it was in a massage parlor or yeah, something it was like just that. Like the most Wes Anderson thing you can think of. Like, yeah, it really was outrageous. Like <laughs> he'd have to tell you that story. That's, it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I think he has a bit about it too. I don't know. James could probably correct me on that, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good story. Um, yeah, James does a lot of footwork for that stuff. But yeah, people, that's funny, man. The Wes Anderson show was really good, and that was right after the Street Fighter show. So we went from you know about a hundred people coming to the Street Fighter show, then to you know about a thousand people yeah. at the Wes Anderson show. It's crazy, so it was man. Like, I think my friend boom. Callie might my friend Callie might have gone to that really Wes Anderson show. She's a huge Wes Anderson fan. It was there was a huge turnout. Uh, it was great. We do we do a lot of that for charity, by the way. A lot of that money I love goes that. to charity. Yeah, yeah. So. Why don't you talk about yeah. like uh, kind of the format and kind of what like uh, these guys don't charge to get into the show per se, but there's a suggested donation. And uh, yeah, why don't you talk about a little bit what what that goes to? Yeah, we okay. So uh, we donate uh, a pretty good chunk of the money to uh, the regional food bank of Oklahoma, and pocket the rest. Well, no, no. Kidding. Most of it actually <laughs> does not go to us. Pretty much all of it does not go to us. We do it because we like doing it. James 
God bless him. He does a lot of hard work and he deserves to be paid all of it really. Um, but we pay the bands, we pay, you know, whoever we need to, whoever, you know, performed and uh, the artists, you know, they make the money off their art. Obviously we we only take a, we only take a commission. We take 10 bucks and we donate that money to the charity and we take a suggestion at the door to pay for the bands and whoever else. And so, and the speakeasy kind of throws us a little bit. So it kind of works out to where everybody kind of gets a, a, a chunk, but we kind of like to be generous and just pay everybody else, you know, make sure they get their due. Well, and that's just, you know? I think that's what's resonated so much with like you guys is like, that is just endeared you guys to people that come. Cause it's cool. Like the subject matter is important to people. Like they, they love Wes Anderson. They love Cowboy sure. Bebop. That's like the initial draw in. But then, you know, when you take it to the next level and it was like, oh, we're actually helping people. Yeah. Like this is a fun thing that we get to do. We're also helping people. Like that's awesome. Yeah. I, I tell, I, I say it to James. I, I say it as we've kind of, um, we've, we've been able to see the matrix code. Like, you know, when Neo finally is able to view it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and he just understands all of a sudden. So we kind of figured out a way to like, you know, make everybody get a good chunk and then everybody has a great time. And it's really, you know, we, we don't want to make it about money or anything like that. Yeah. Of course, obviously and that's why you haven't, uh, that's unbranded, right? Unbranded. And we want to keep it organic for the artists, especially, but for the, for the attendees too, like you could just stumble upon the show and be like, yeah. Oh wow. There's Not just a random, it. yeah. The crazy little festival going on. Not here, even you know? knowing it's, it's like going on or anything. Right. And, and, I think the artists too, and I can speak to this as an artist, like when you haven't been involved in the art scene here in Oklahoma city, even, you know, we don't have an intimidating art scene by any means, you know, compared to a lot of larger cities, but it can still be intimidating to go to a gallery and say, Hey, I'm a, I'm a young artist. You know, I have some work. What do I need to do to get a show? Well, here we were saying, just submit your art. You know, you can talk to people other artists, you know, you can talk to people. We've had like gallery owners there or people that have way, you know, old veterans of the art scene here, uh, participate in the shows. And so, you know, it's, it's good to get everybody networked that way. That's Um, awesome, man. But that's another reason we don't brand it is once you kind of put a name to something like a, uh, a brand on it and, um, just sort of like, this is what we're doing. This is this. You kind of put it in This the is a thing. Yeah. You, you kind of instantly make it exclusive in people's minds. Like yeah. outside, it's like, oh, join. That's the thing they do. Yeah, that's this thing. And I, you know, you know, instead of just talking to this guy named James or this guy named Mike about, you know, submitting some art, I have to like look at. It's you like know, a whole thing. Oh, I'm submitting to, yeah. you know, this thing here, this whatever we want to call it, you know. Yeah, I feel you. That's cool though, man. I mean, it's a really cool thing, and I think it's, you know, going to be going to be big, no matter what the subject matter is. We I think tr- people just come to them now just because it's like, you know, what's the next thing they're going to do? Like, it's crazy, right? And uh, we've tried to appeal to sort of like, um, I know this is kind of like, um, I don't know, not in vogue these days, but like a middle ground between like super niche ideas and super mainstream stuff. So like Cowboy Bebop kind of fits that where it's... That is true, yeah, yeah. Cowboy Bebop is very popular, but it's like, it's still an anime and it's still, you know, if you weren't watching Adult Swim or you didn't have the DVDs or anything, it's like, where are you going to watch it? Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe Crunchyroll or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Do they show it on Toonami now or maybe? Or they show, Earlier in the evenings? They brought it back. 
They did <clears> just bring Outlaw Star back, which is one of my favorites. Oh, that's cool. All time. I do in like HD. Yeah. It's like in a 2.30 a.m. slot. Woo. Like, golly. Way past my bedtime. <laughs> I'm an old man. I can't stay up and watch anime anymore. I know. Like, yeah, that's funny, man. Like, it's just such a random, like, <laughs> crazy, like, slot to be in. Like, I guess I'll oh, I know. stay up and watch this. Like, Well, it... <laughs> If, I mean, you're a fan. I mean, how many uh, how many Outlaw Star fans are there? Like hardcore, Just like ten probably. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And those ten guys are probably going to stay up till two thirty. <laughs> that's true. I gotta watch this. It's on TV. <laughs> it is cool. It's cool to see ones like that come back, um, mm-hmm. or even ones that I thought were much more popular than they were. And then I like try to bring them up, and people are like, "What are you talking about?" Like I remember watching um, what is that one? Uh, Knights of the Zodiac. And like a lot of people are like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> or like Ronin Warriors. Ronin like, Warriors. That was oh, a good yeah. one. A lot of people know that one. Yeah. But sometimes I bring those up, and I'm like, people are like, "What?" Like I don't remember that. And just like yeah. with uh, with uh, Twelve Ounce Mouse, I'm like, I don't remember that ever being a thing. It was not for long. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people felt the same way I did about yeah. it. Um, the cool thing about like you know certain movies or series or whatever. Like, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, is sometimes, like, there's, like, a bigger picture idea in, you know, incorporated into the story. And we talked specifically about uh, Princess Mononoke and, like, the ma- the messaging that yeah. is kind of, like, in the back, like, in the background that you kind of pick up on throughout the movie. Definitely. Um, Miyazaki, I mean, he, he kind of beats you over the head with the man versus nature stuff in yeah. every movie. But in Princess Mononoke specifically, he kind of went a little bit different route with it. Um, and I think that kind of helps that movie stand out. I mean, there's there's a couple other ways that movie stands out amongst his films. Um, it has a male lead rather than a female lead like all of his other films do, even though it's called Princess Mononoke and San is the the princess Mononoke. She's the female lead, but she's not the main character. But anyway, um, so, you know, there's a, there's a man versus nature, of course, in that movie. Um, you know, they're trying to, there's a, a woman who's trying to kill, uh, kill the forest God basically. And basically just mowed like logging and mowing down the forest really. So to, to further, uh, industry, she's the leader of a, place called iron town and they make guns and they smelt iron so but actually is the way miyazaki does this though is pretty brilliant like she her name's lady Iboshi, and she cares for all these like lepers and all these sick people so they kind of you kind of think she's the bad guy but she's not she's actually like a good person yeah. and she cares about the people you know all these sick people these dis- these disabled people so and then you have San, who is Princess Mononoke, and she's she represents nature, and so she's kind of on the opposite side. And so obviously she cares about the forest, but she hates humans, you know. So yeah. you get this like sort of who's the good the, guy, yeah. who's the bad guy. And then you have um, Ashitaka, who is the main character, and he comes from like a little village, and he's cursed, and he's just trying to make peace with everybody. But so you get into these things like. Um, you know, man versus nature, man versus man. You know, a lot of the people fight, of course. And then you get into sort of a man versus a machine, which is sort of Lady Eboshi represents industry, sort of she shoots a gun, you know, as her weapon rather than like a sword or a bow and arrow. This takes place in like, uh, I think it's like 16th century Japan or something. Yeah. So, um, but it, it's really interesting the way that movie kind of handles those themes. Yeah, yeah I think it is. It, it's just different, you know. 
And I think those are the things that kind of stick out and, you know, that are are the most easy, like are the easiest to recall, like things like that. Oh, yeah. We also talked about paprika. Paprika, yeah. Uh, paprika, again, that's Satoshi Kon, uh, Paranoia Agent Director. And so, again, that goes into kind of his whole um, idea about um, just blurring the line between reality and dreams. So in that movie, um, sort of the main character is a therapist, and she kind of goes into people's dreams, and she has an alter ego named Paprika. So she kind of helps people in their dreams, like whether I think I don't know if they're actually asleep. I need to go back and watch it, but <laughs> they wear this like little device that allows her to like go into their dreams, basically. And so I I think they're asleep, but anyway, and there and there's a whole like detective angle trying to solve a crime, and it's just it's really cool. Um, but yeah, that one really blurs the lines between reality and um, um, dream the dream world. I mean, she kind of jumps in and out of her character of Paprika and her therapist, her real life. She's just like a, she just looks like a normal, you know, she's wearing like a pencil skirt and like a blazer, you know, yeah. but in, as Paprika, she's wearing like a little t-shirt and jeans and like, you know, skipping around, hopping around. She's real excited. Like alter ego. Yeah. But in real reality, she's just kind of quiet. And so it, it's very interesting. Uh, yeah. Very interesting. Was that character. like kind of the same dynamic as like the paranoia agents kind of like the psychological? Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, a lot of the times in Paprika as well, I mean, you're helping people with anxiety. I mean, I think um, Satoshi Kon must have had anxiety. He, he passed away actually in 2012, I want to say, from some kind of cancer. But um, but a lot of his stuff had to do, yeah, with like how do you deal with anxiety and basically stuff that eats at you and it kind of eats into your subconscious to where you start viewing the world through this lens of like, is that person talking about me? You know, is that person hate me? You know, that kind of thing. And so it becomes this like, well, he, the way he does it, he's, he represents it sort of um, like with paranoid agent, I guess, I don't know if I should spoil anything, but <laughs> it, there's a, spoiler. there is a physical manifestation of people's um, how they sort of uh, project their anxiety into the real world, like a scapegoat sort of thing. Like, yeah. like you just, I want to toss all my problems into this thing and say, Oh, that's causing all my troubles really. So, and then it becomes, it becomes this bigger and bigger thing. And the same thing with paprika. I mean, it becomes almost humorous at the end. I think, I think one of the machines gets out of control or something in the dream world and the real world kind of blur. And there's just all these like balloon animals everywhere and it just goes crazy. It's just and wild. So, so yeah, it's, it's, I recommend it to everyone. I, I love it so much. Well, yeah, I like hearing about, and is cause something, Something that maybe like the the mainstream like uh, anime fan mm-hmm. like myself uh, maybe not maybe hadn't heard of yeah it's just interesting to hear about like these things that are just like deeper than you know like we talked about Dragon Ball Z like every villain's the strongest villain oh ever. yeah and so it kind of breaks out of that <laughs> and there's just like this deeper you know there's these layers that it's like oh man this is like has the deeper story you get more invested you're like wow for sure yeah. Um- with with, well, and what you're kind of mentioning here is something uh, that's kind of humorous and kind of the opposite of uh, Paranoia Agent because Paranoia Agent is only 14 episodes, so there's really no. I, and each episode kind of go, um, you you it takes you. I guess how, how am I wanting to say this? You look through the perspective of a different character each episode. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, so yeah. like the first episode is a sort of a, a young woman. She's in her. 
I think early thirties and she's like a cartoonist. And so she gets into this accident where a guy attacks her. Right. So the next episode, you kind of forget about her and you're, it's like this kid who's in elementary school and he's like the most popular kid in school. And oh. so he has anxiety about, gotcha. so it's like an anthology. Yeah. But he ends up having all this anxiety too about, you know, how do I say the most popular kid in school. And so it ends up being where another kid is like almost as popular as him. And so he gets real mm. mad. And so then he <laughs> suddenly has an accident where a, a, a attacker hits him over the head with a bat, you know? Jeez. So it just, it goes like that kind of the whole series. And, uh, it's really, it's really an interesting show. I huh. think everyone should give it a try. It's only 14 episodes. It's real quick and easy, quick and painless. But that's, uh, juxtaposed against, um, like something like Dragon Ball Z where, yeah, you, you get familiar with the characters, and yeah, yeah, you know, a new villain comes along. That's yeah, okay. Suddenly, it's so that makes sense. Yeah, it's just like you're not as yeah. It's not as like you're invested in the yeah the characters per se, but like just kind of seeing where the story goes. Yeah, like, it's sort of like that's a, the that's the thing that you're like, oh, let me. That's the thing you latch onto. You're like, where is it going to go this episode? Yeah, and I guess I should say too, uh, there is an over arching uh, all, story arc that connects like it because there's two detectives that are like trying to solve like who is attacking these who's people getting bonked on the head yeah like who who is this attacker <laughs> that's like hitting all these people over the head with a baseball this bat. mystery bonker yeah so that's kind of the whole series and so it's kind of like a true detective kind of thing okay. in a way actually it reminds me a lot of true detective it's like case closed yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> shout out to case closed for sure yeah uh but no yeah so I, i'm kind of into that kind of stuff like that's uh, you mentioned steinsgate earlier that's yeah 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 very similar um it's i think steinsgate is like 22 episodes short and sweet um it involves a lot of time travel although they don't tell you that until like halfway through the series but although i guess they're trying to like invent a time machine like the whole series very humorous show the the English dub is awesome. Like they did Funimation did such a great job nice. with it. Like they kind of localized all the humor so that uh, there's a lot of like Japanese, like cultural jokes. It's like you wouldn't get. Yeah. That American audiences like wouldn't understand yeah. if you just directly translate it. So they kind of were like, Oh, this is kind of the joke they're making. So they came up with like American equivalents and it's really oh, funny. Wow. Like they did a great That's job. Kinda, yeah. It's interesting. I didn't realize it. Yeah. Well, we talked about like the, kind of the the comparison of like original run dragon ball z versus mm-hmm. you know the redub and how yeah. it was like how it was like you know there's a subtle differences sure oh yeah um so yeah um the first time i ever saw dragon ball z was i was a little kid and they showed it on like like the public public yeah. state like oeta or yeah, something yeah. and this is when i was a little kid and i i saw it in dallas actually with my at my cousin's house he was like, yeah, you got to watch the show, Dragon Ball Z. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, who's this <laughs> Goku guy? Fly, why are all the characters like flying around? What is this? Shooting beams out of their hands. But because uh, back then, I mean, this was like early 90s. I think in America, we only had like six episodes or something. And yeah. they, they would they just play those six yeah. over and over. And it was pretty heavily edited. I remember there wasn't really any violence. Like I know there wasn't any blood. They like airbrushed it out or something <laughs> i don't i don't know what they did but yeah they like airbrushed it out and they it seemed like they kind of edited out a lot of the like they do this a lot with um like the newer ninja turtles cartoons nowadays like when you see someone like punch someone in the face mm-hmm. 
like it would cut away from it, so you just see the person like flying away, you know, and you wouldn't see the actual hit. Weird. They do that in the Ninja Turtles cartoons right now, by the way. I didn't know that because I was like, oh, I'll check out the uh, current see Ninja how, like, Turtles. See how it holds up. Yeah, seeing what little kids are watching these days, seeing yeah. if it's is cool. It's garbage. But no, it's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. They don't use their weapons ever, you know. That's wild. just make the Foot Clan robots again, so they can just <laughs> chop their heads off like but they it's used just to. Funny, like it's it's funny the. Uh, you know, whenever you're a kid and you're like, freaking adults don't get my, like, get yeah. the stuff that I like. And now that you're an adult, you're like, stupid kids. <laughs> Damn those kids. Yeah. They don't know With what their ninja like. turtles that don't use their weapons. Yeah, no. If you're going <laughs> to... And you know what's the other thing, too? I think the ninja turtles are kind of, like, not as weird as they used to be. Like, yeah. in the 80s, it, w- it was just kind of, like, bizarre. Like, they had those weird... Um, it was almost like an Adult Swim bumper. Like it was like they had that weird voice. It was like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles will be right back. You oh know? my god! And it was like you know, and it yeah. would just show the logo. But it was like a weird alien voice. But that's what I'm saying. It was just bizarre. <laughs> just imagine that guy recording that in the studio. Like <laughs> it almost sounded like Krang, I guess, a little yeah. bit, but not Krang. I don't know. Uh, but I guess it's still, you know, around to sell toys. That's yeah, that's what true. I noticed. And they came out the movies that were oh yeah, garbage as well. I yeah, I mean, the for the most part, I think that I, I watched the newest one. What is it? Out of the Shadows or whatever with um, Krang yeah, in know. it. And I was like, okay, finally they put Krang. You know what they need to do? Uh, maybe this is a little What's off topic up? here, but no, uh, no, you got it. they need to uh, they need to set it in like 1980s New York. When it was kind of like a dirty city like yeah. before they came in and cleaned it up and cleaned out all the prostitution and <laughs> all the gunk on that's the streets. That's the New York I remember. Yeah, that's, well, that's what the Ninja Turtles, that's what it was set in. It was like <laughs> the grungy New York, you know, the gritty New York streets. You know, now it's all clean and shiny. Man. Too shiny. That's funny. Um, oh, that's too good. <laughs> so uh, it's funny we keep talking about James and, and uh, his brother, but... You guys have been knowing each other for a while, and you're actually yeah. like part of the NIMS collective now, I guess, right? The band. I'm in the band. Um, you I've made been, it. I've been in the band. I'm an honorary NIM. Uh, <laughs> that's what he's. They've introduced me that way a couple of times. That's cool, man. What? Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun playing music with those guys. They're it's super laid back. Um, I've been in the NIMS for woo, I want to say like two years, two and a half years, maybe. I think James had just moved back from L.A. Um, I need to ask you to join. We, I, I think again. I think we were drinking at the Speakeasy, <laughs> talking about Street Fighter or something. You know, the huge, the, the huge. No one says that anymore. <laughs> uh, but uh, now we were just sitting there talking. And he goes, "You want to play bass in the Nims?" I was like, "All right, yeah. This this sounds that sounds really good." Because I wasn't playing music at the time. I, I was in a band called The Work Week. Um, with uh, Ricky, my friend Ricky Sawhouse, and uh, Carly Gwynn. They're both in the my so-called band, 90s band, and they play. They have solo stuff around Oklahoma City and Norman, too. But <clears throat> we'd been playing in a band. We broke up, or I don't know if we broke up, just hiatus. Yeah. Just but anyway, I, w- I was just sitting around, and uh, yeah, James was like, eh, you want to play some music? And I was like, all right, let's do it. So That's cool, man. I mean, um, it was that, that quick and that easy. <laughs> that's cool that it's just like completely local centric. I love that. Um, talk about some of the other like, uh, acts you've got, you've gotten to play with that you enjoy. Like there's a lot of talent here in Oklahoma city. Yeah. And 
there's a ton of talent now. Um, like your average band in OKC is light years ahead of what it was when I first started playing in bands like 2001, 2002. You know, now it's just incredible. But um, yeah, uh, speaking of Avery, uh, we played with Beach Language. Yeah. I think we played with them on their first show. It nice. was at the Speakeasy. Okay. And um, yeah, they were just incredible. Like I... <laughs> was like blown away. I was like, this is their first show and they're amazing. <laughs> like, and I love their music. So, um, shout out to beach language. They, uh, yeah, they're great. The uh, intro to the show. Is beach and language. we actually are playing another show with them coming oh, nice. up here in a couple of weeks. I'm um, at the blue note. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun, but I think, yeah, beach language is great. Um, I really like husbands a lot. They're a band. They're, are they open? They're opening for smash mouth, right? Are they here? I thought they were, yeah. Yeah, um, that might be... Actually, I think I did see them on there, yeah. Um, Husbands, they're really good. Um, I like Gum, and I like uh, Sports from Tulsa. Yeah. I believe they're from Tulsa. I've seen them... I've only seen them here, though, but... um, Yeah, that's just some local... Current local acts that kind of are into that sort of... um, I don't know how to describe it. It's like indie rock, but it's like... uh, kind of dreamy at the same time. So yeah. we kind of like ambient type stuff. Yeah. So, well, not ambient, I guess, but like not sort quite, of not quite that spacey, I guess they're using a lot of like pedal effects and like sort of like, a, Oh, gotcha. I don't know how to describe it, but it's kind of a dreamy sound. Although husbands kind of has some upbeat tracks, but yeah, but the names we kind of fit in, I guess with those, those groups. And so I, I'm real into that kind of sound right now locally. Um, Oh, but there's there's just so many great singer songwriters here yeah. now too. Is that do you uh, do you guys kind of find um, people like that for because a lot of people a lot of bands end up playing at your art shows? Is yeah, that how you kind of find those just like word of mouth or just like playing with like different bands or. Um, okay, so at the art shows, I don't know how James. Come across, I think people just like <laughs> message him. Yeah, and he 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 will um, ask me. He'll send me a link to like their Bandcamp or SoundCloud or whatever. He's like, listen to this and let me know what you think. You know, what do you think about this group? He's like, they hit me up, <clears throat> and so like the So Help Me's, yeah, like they're they kind of took off, you know. And I think their first show was that Wes Anderson show. I think nice. I think that was the first time they'd ever played in front of a crowd. Um, I believe I don't call me on that, but, uh, <laughs> so but, help me here. This, but, uh, but again, <laughs> that's another band. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but that's another band that with like their first show. I was just watching them. And like, they are incredible. Like they are that's really crazy. good. Yeah, you know? And so it's wild. I'm, pr- I'm a pretty big the gate. They're great. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Maybe people are just practicing a lot now. <laughs> back then, I think, Practice. you know, back in my day, we just threw on a guitar and just booked a show <laughs> at like a, I don't even know. Back in the day, you know, there, there were a lot less options back then too. You yeah, know, for for young yeah, I think young people, it's really like come a long way too because it's like, just like you said, just quality wise. Oh yeah, like Speakeasy didn't, didn't exist back then, obviously. Yeah. Um, but there were, I mean, I just remember there being like a handful, of like pretty good bands back then. Like, yeah, but it was just a handful. That's the thing. Yeah, is like I'm trying I to think of one specifically. Like, um, I used to listen to. Man, I always think about this band, and I can never think of it. They have a song called Years Till Niagara, and I forget the name of the band every time. I'm Is like, it Minutes Too Far? <laughs> trying to think of Let me look it up. They were pre- they were pretty popular. But, yeah, that was a – weren't you in uh, Someday? I was in Someday, yeah, and we we had a little 
bit of a following. Um, we practiced a lot, so I, th- I you know, I kind of thought we, we, I thought we sounded good. Maybe we didn't, but it's kind of hard. <laughs> Never to think look your back. kids ugly. I need to go back and watch the old the old tapes. Uh, <laughs> but no, we. You know, we once played, we opened for Super Drag once, and that was just like a dream come true because I love Super Drag uh, at the Green Door. Shout out to the Green Door. Well, you know, RIP, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, (laughs) yeah. The Green Door was like the the place for like, if you were like a rock. Yeah. Like even pop punk. Although I don't know if Reggie, he, he, I forget what his last name was, but he, he ran it, you know, with I think his wife. And they, uh, I don't know. They weren't real into like the high school pop punk trio, pop punk, you know, you know, four piece bands back then. I think they were more into like just punk punk, you know, or like yeah, ska yeah. punk or stuff like that. So skanking out, skanking out. We yeah. About five Iron Frenzy and all those guys. So five out, Iron Frenzy. Yeah. Shout out to Five Iron or uh, Real Big Fish. We talked about um, Brave Saint Saturn too, right? Was that the guy? <laughs> yeah, from, that's right. From, was that, uh, Real Big Fish, like their side project? I can't remember um, what it was. No. Um, that was Five Iron Frenzy, that guy. Yeah, that, it was his side project. I think Brave Saints like, was all space theme. Yeah. And like real like grandiose rock. I think uh, Scott from Real Big Fish had a side project. It was called like Gym, gym Class Heroes or something. Or what? It was, no, it wasn't <laughs> that. It, it was something like that. <laughs> it was like that really famous band. No, it the, wasn't that. Early it, 2000s. It was, but it was called something almost exactly <laughs> like high school heroes or something oh, like that. Some like, yeah, <clears throat> it was some something like, like that. Knockoff version. It was hush, hush commotion, by the way, you're still Niagara. Okay. The band yeah, yeah. Hush, hush commotion. See, I forget you're, you're from a little bit later era, oh, you yeah, know, yeah, that yeah, was a little true. bit more in the, um, that's when kind of the, uh, there were a lot of like straight edge dudes that like kind of took over the scene. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but like you shit on everybody. Much. No, 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 no. Stupid I'm for straight edge. People. I was friends with a lot of them. They're great <laughs> folks. Still are. Still are great. And you people. get to drink more beer because they don't drink. That's right. Yeah. It's you more for me. Beer. More for me. I'll <laughs> tell the bartender I'll take two. <laughs> two, please. Um, no, but yeah. Uh, back then, when I was in high school and early college days, for me, it, you know, it was. Trying to think of the big bands like Bristol Park, they were pretty big. Uh, they kind of got locally big anyway. Um, yeah, like Special Disaster Team, they were like a ska band in Norman that had like a huge <laughs> following. Like we played a lot of shows with them down there, and um, yeah, like all the high school kids would come out to like an. We played an all ages venue uh, called Buzz's Subs, R.I.P. Um, <laughs> I was like, I haven't heard of that place. Buzz's Subs, oh man. That place was in, it was in that, um, it's right off the highway there on Lindsay and, um, in the highway. It's in Norman. It's right by that Del Rancho. That's right there. Um, it's, it looks like a castle. (laughs) Mike's directions. No, but it's right by that Del Rancho. uh, The thing is this place has been, yeah, (laughs) this place has been like 10 different places since since that time. So it was like called like Sooner Nights. It was like a club for a while. (laughs) Sooner Nights. Yeah. But it was Buzz's Subs for a long time and they made it like this little all ages music venue and they served pizza. Not, I think they did serve subs, but mostly pizza. But, uh, but yeah, it was a cool little place, you know, it's hot as hell in there. There was no <laughs> AC, I think. That is funny. <laughs> now, Norman gets some cool shows like, uh, Opolis. Opolis is uh, so cool. Yeah. I love Opolis. A friend of mine went and saw, they actually, it was like a couple months ago. Um, well, Rooney was there actually. Yeah. And, and they did, 
their self-titled album. Blue Side. And like I didn't even know about it. So yeah. I was like, dang. Like, uh-huh. I would have known about that. Like I found out. I, th- I think I found out because she like put it on Snapchat that she was. Oh, in. And I was like, what yeah. the heck? Well, you know that's kind of weird. Um, the Opolis, a lot of that promotion. I, I know a lot of the people that are kind of involved with the Opolis down there. I've gotten to know them over the years, a little bit at least, and um, so I kind of see a lot of the shows that are coming through there kind of on my periphery you know, social media or wherever. So I'm like, Oh cool. Like, uh, what was it? Washed out played there, you know, not too long ago. And, uh, just other, there's lots of cool bands that have come yeah. through. And so they've, they've done a really good job down there for the size of the venue. It is, you know, especially. Yeah. So do you think, do you think that, uh, does it kind of come organically? Like, um, just from knowing bands that they kind of ask you to do like their gig posters and, and like, how did you come to do like the Midtown series? Oh yeah. Posters? Okay. So I was doing, Let's see. I want to say I did. Okay. I did a poster for the NIMS, like our show with uh, Jose Hernandez. Yeah. Black Magic Waters. Also, Austin. Yeah. Jose is great. UCO guy there. Yeah. He, he's Shout fantastic. Roll shows. Yeah. Uh. yeah. He's cool. Cool dude. <laughs> and um, so we played a show with him, and I just kind of threw together a poster, and it just got this huge response of people on like social media and. Everywhere, like I was printing them off, like giving them away. And um, so I kind of started having people hit me up. Um, and Tyler Hopkins, who ran the Midtown Songwriter Series, he kind of just, I, I knew him from playing in the NIMS, actually. Believe it or not, it kind of ties all everything together here. But uh, <laughs> Tyler, who, you know, I'm not sure. I think he works with Dave Nim now at some kind of oil company or something. But, um, but he um, he played guitar for the Nims, and he wanted to start this. Um, actually, I think he had been doing the Midtown Songwriter Series for a little while before I joined. But he wanted to get this group together, like a team, and, to promote it and kind of um, like work out the logistics of making it a bigger bigger show. He kind of had kind of grander visions for it. Um, so he wanted me to do all like the branding and the posters and just kind of make all the social media uh, collateral material, you know, for, um, for it. So that's how I kind of got involved with that. He just kind of, we met at like R and J in Midtown, kind of had some drinks and just were like, Hey, you know, let's do this. That's cool, man. And it's, that's really cool work too. Like all your posters are always like on point and you get to do like a lot of the, my so-called band ones, right? Yeah. I haven't done a poster for them. They kind of have, it's, they're a machine, you know, they, (laughs) yeah. They, the ball is really rolling for them at this That's, point. Which is great, so, yeah. Yeah, they 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 kill it. So, uh, but I used to do posters for them quite a bit, and I did like a lot of promotional material for them, like that Simpsons picture that I'm sure a lot of people have seen around. Like I, that's, yeah, I that did that. Funny. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And I did like a couple of the um, like '90s album covers. I kind of like you know, did some Photoshop magic and made it look like band members were on. Yeah. The I think I saw the NSYNC one and I was like, oh, yeah, NSYNC. I think that's the, a lot, the one they currently use a lot. Uh, I did that. Yeah. So they kind of commissioned me for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, you it's did really work, cool. man. It's awesome. So it's fun working with them. So I'm going to give you the chance now to address the big controversy we talked about before, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the chain smokers incident on Facebook. <laughs> the chain smokers. <laughs> Hugely yeah, controversial. The uh, Yeah, for months he was trying to live it down. The uh, I still haven't, I, be- I think. Yeah, people, people are still giving me door. all kinds of hell over that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I made a post um, 
gosh, when was that now? I think it was like February of this year, I think. <laughs> Um, I make like one post a year on that Facebook, your basically. Post, and it was a banger. Yeah, I am not on Facebook very much, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I think I had heard a chain smoker song on the radio or something, and I'm like, "Who are these guys?" So I look, I look up their songs on YouTube. I'm like, "Okay, they sound like a no." Actually, I know what it was. I was looking at the Billboard charts to. Um, find a meme a song that was in a meme um called um oh. shooting stars by uh, bag oh, raiders yeah. i love that song <laughs> and so i was like you know what i wonder if that has entered the billboard charts because people are like this is a cool song that would be what an interesting thing that and it, it was, was another rabbit hole no it, yeah this is what happened yeah and so um no, it turns out the Bag Raiders were like number eight on the electronic in what? the top ten. Um, like the ultimate troll, they're like getting rich off. Yeah, the memes. no, yeah. So that song came out in like 2008, and so it's just now back Jeez. into the Billboard charts because um, of that meme. So it's, it's amazing weird, meme culture, man. Just yeah, takes over something. Yeah, and so um, so I'm I'm looking at all these electronic and dance uh, Billboard charts. And at the top of every single one of them is the Chainsmokers, but it was like a different Chainsmokers song at the top of each one of these. And yeah. I'm like, who are these they guys? Taking over. Yeah, why are they so, so popular? And so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll have to listen to these dudes. And so I look them up on YouTube and uh, I look at the view count on their videos. And I thought it was like a glitch or something, you know, on, on YouTube because it was like, one billion seven hundred million, you know, <laughs> it was like almost two billion views on like uh, I think it's Paris or whatever that song is. Um, and so I'm listening to the track and I'm like, I mean, I was like, this is okay, uh, <laughs> but one billion, one point eight billion views, <laughs> like it's not that good. And so I start listening to more and more of their songs and I'm like, okay, I mean, they're they're okay, but if if you're gonna be into the Chainsmokers. Why you you should probably be into you know Disclosure or Odessa these other these other duo DJ duos that have been on the radio recently you know and that are way better than than the Chainsmokers and so that's when I uh, decided to take my uh, grievances to (laughs) your rage boiled my Facebook (laughs) I was seeing red and so (laughs) I had to let the world know on Facebook that uh, I didn't understand how the Chainsmokers were so popular. But that's, the, you know, in so many words, that's how I said it. And uh, I got a lot of hell for it. So Hot takes, man. It was a hot take. That's uh, piping, piping. <laughs> fresh piping out of the... hot takes from Mike Allen on Facebook. <laughs> His yearly post. Some people were understanding, you know. Some people didn't like my... Well, it's just my, like, yeah, anything with music, it's like polarizing. Like, Sure, yeah. People like them, people hate them. It wasn't even like I was like, you know, well, saying no, no, a lot I'm of bad things like, about it, too. That's yeah. what's so crazy, you know, that people were very defensive. Listen, you don't have to explain yourself to me, Mike. It's I all, know okay. where you're coming I from. appreciate that, Harold. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> well, uh, well, cool, man. Yeah, I uh, really appreciate you coming out. Um, why don't you tell... Uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you online? So you can find me at um, at Muddy Mallon on Instagram, and I make cartoons for nondoc.com every Sunday, and I usually write a little column with that too, so I kind of have a little uh, little space on the internet for that. And you can find a lot of my work at Mike Allen. Let's see. What is it? <laughs> MikeAllenArt.work shows you how much I type in that <laughs> web address. So it's MikeAllenArt.work. 
And uh, I think that's my the extent of my being on the internet. Your presence. So, yeah, I don't have a Twitter. <laughs> sorry. Um, and I'm on Facebook, but don't worry about that because you'll only see me hate on you'll the chain add, smokers on yeah, there. You'll so. add, him, add him to see his yearly... Uh, it's the garbage can <laughs> where my junk ideas go. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for tuning in. Um, again, you could find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's Tunes Podcast. T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. Um, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you guys next time. Save your soul